welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 13th of March 2011, entitled Frightful Facts About Salvation, and the Bible readings are taken from John chapter 3 verses 14 to 21 and Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 to 23. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. You'd like to open your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and when you found your place there, I'd like to just uh, hold your place there for just a moment and then turn to the Gospel of John chapter 3. We'll read from John chapter 3 first, and then we'll go to Matthew 7. You'll notice in your bulletins this morning there was no title there for this evening's sermon. Uh, there was good reason for that because I was still struggling with the Lord on which matter he was going to uh, have us preach on this evening. And uh, this evening is really, uh, I, guess, I guess on the one hand, I had prayed about looking this evening and primarily in the book of uh, Colossians and Ephesians at uh, our position in the Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, I believe the Lord is certainly directing us here. And, and I'm going to tell you before I even tell you the title of the sermon this evening, I'm not talking about emotions, and I don't often like to even address things from, if you could say, the negative side, but this evening we're going to be looking at the matter of salvation, but we're going to be looking at some frightful facts about salvation. There are many things to rejoice in concerning salvation, but I want us to look at a few frightful facts concerning salvation this evening, and I don't know who the message is for. Uh, but I trust and pray that you'll pray that the Lord will have His way. I'd like to read, first of all, beginning in uh, the Gospel of John chapter 14, or J John chapter 3, and beginning with verse 14. I'm going to invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word, beginning in John chapter 3, verse 14. The Word of God says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh he to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth Truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, beginning with verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, 
but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. The men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles. Even so, let every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Verse 21 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Father, as we commit our time into your hands once again this evening, Lord, we come and we pray earnestly that by the power of your Spirit you might use thy unworthy servant, that by the power of your Spirit you might, Lord, bring these words alive that you have preserved for us and that we have read here this evening, alive into our hearts. Lord, you know the hearts of everyone here this evening, those that are saved and those that are lost. You know the need in each and every life. And Father, we pray that by your Spirit you might speak to the hearts of each and every one. We pray, Lord, that in everything that's said and in everything that's done, that you would be glorified and honored. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Of course, as we begin our reading in the Gospel of John chapter 3, certainly at least part of that, some of probably the most familiar Scripture in all of the Bible, because it tells us the greatest love story of all time, that God Himself loved each and every one of us so very much that He was willing to send His only begotten Son to die in our place for our sins. Of course, we saw in that passage that Jesus Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The Bible tells us in other places that he came to seek and to save that which was lost, that it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. We find that the Bible really brings it right down to the nitty-gritty in these verses when he tells us there, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We find that he goes on to tell us in that passage that there is a problem. You see, God is light. Jesus Christ is light. He says the light has come into the world, but men prefer darkness. Conviction is not something that most people don't like for the light to be turned on on their sin. It's a whole lot easier to keep it in the dark so that it's, it's not seen and it's not recognized. And that's precisely what he's saying to us here. And everyone that doeth evil hateth the light 
neither cometh to the light. Why? Lest his deeds should be reproved. Lest his deeds would be discovered, if you would, that they might be shown up. He doesn't want to come to the light because he doesn't want his sin to be seen. But he that doeth the truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. You see, the only way your sin can be dealt with is to be brought into the light. There is absolutely no other place in all of the world that they can be dealt with. Now, I can say to you that, folks, in these verses, many, many, many sermons could be preached from there. But what I'm wanting to say as a matter of introduction here is that God wants each and every one of you to be saved. There is absolutely no question about that. He sent His Son that you can be saved. But there is a responsibility because what the Bible is saying here is that God has done His part. He loved you so much. He sent His Son. His Son has come for the specific purpose that you might be saved. But some people would choose not to. It's hard for us to grasp and even conceive in our minds that people that have heard the truth and know the truth could allow themselves to get into a position that could cause them to be eternally lost without ever having a chance of salvation again. That's hard to conceive. But that's exactly part of what Jesus is talking about here in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. You see, I want to tell you up front, as I've already mentioned, I'm not saying the things that I'm saying tonight to play on your emotions. Because if you think you get saved by your emotions, then you're never going to get anything anyway. We find clearly in these scriptures that you're going to get saved because of your faith, because you will believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died upon that cross, shed his blood to atone for your sin, and that when they put him in that grave, that three days later he came out, as we sang earlier, victorious. There's victory in Jesus. But the simple truth is, the first thing that I want to point out to you, because I said, I want to give you just a few frightful facts about salvation. Not because I want to scare you into doing something this evening, but I want you to know these are facts. These are facts about salvation. God is the one that has made the way for salvation. Now, as we first begin to look here, we can see, first of all, in verses 13 and 14, and of course, just in these verses here in the Gospel of Matthew, I don't know how many of you were here and how many would remember anyway, but just off of these verses, I think 13 through 23 here, I did a series of quite a few sermons at one point some years back. There is an awful lot that we could look here in looking at what true saving faith is really all about. But as we look here this evening, I want to give you a few facts that you best consider 
Because you see, first of all, if you're here this evening and you are lost and you don't know Jesus Christ as, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is absolutely nobody else in all the world that can do anything about that except you. And I can promise you, I don't care what you've got scheduled tomorrow, what you've got scheduled next week, next month, and for the rest of your life, there is nothing more important, and you will never make a more important decision in your life than what you do with Jesus Christ. These are some facts that according to God's Word, you need to consider, not so that it can play on your emotions, because if you're being governed by your emotions, you're going to go wrong. But I want to tell you something. When you know something in your heart, and when you believe something in your heart, you better believe that it will affect your emotions sometimes. But your emotions should be being affected by what you know and what you believe, not the other way around. We find that, first of all, just a startling but frightful fact about salvation is, folks, no matter how much we'd like to think so, not everyone will be saved. Not everyone will be saved. We find that, notice he says here, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Now, if you remember, I'm not going to dwell on this point. We're talking about a narrow gate, we're talking about a wide gate. We're talking about a straight and narrow path, and we're talking about a broad path. All of these think that they're going in the right direction. These are not people that have decided, well, I don't care. I want to go to that place called hell. All these people think they're going to heaven. All of them want to go to heaven. But the Bible's making it very clear. He says, but straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and you there be that find it. I didn't say that. And I can promise you this. God's not wanting to make it hard for anyone. I've said to you before, and we could look back to John chapter 3 there. Salvation is simple, but it's not easy. That's why so many prefer to stay in the dark. It's not easy to face your sins. It's not easy to recognize they're there, to realize that you have sinned, not against yourself, not against the people you love around you, but you've sinned against the Creator that is responsible for you having life and being here in the first place. It's Him that you're accountable to. And yet so many times you prefer to stay in the darkness and not see it. You don't want to see it. It's like a little child. <laughs> have you ever seen a little child when... You know, they're right there in front of you. <laughs> they close their eyes. They think because they've closed their eyes that you can't see them, that they're hiding from you. They don't want to look. Or sometimes when that little child gets frightened, they'll close their eyes. Because to them, somehow, if they don't see it, it's not there. It's not that the danger has gone away. It's that they're not looking at it. You see, that's kind of what the Bible's talking about here. Some people just prefer to close their eyes. They prefer to stay in the darkness. Jesus has come. The light is there. The light will show you your sinfulness. No, that doesn't feel good. But you're never going to deal with it if you don't see it. 
And you need to recognize there's only one way to deal with it. All the good intentions in the world will not save you. Not everybody's going to be saved. But I want you to know it's not because that God doesn't want them not to be saved. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men would count slackness. Listen. But is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not slack. In other words, it means that he's, he's not slow. He's not retarded. He's not tarrying or any of those things. God doesn't delay or go slow about saving the unsaved. God is not desirous for anyone not to be saved. He is not negligent in the matter. He says, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should be saved. In other words, God doesn't want anybody not to be saved. And he's making it very clear that it's not because of him. You know, if you're not saved today, you can't blame it on God. You say, well, God hasn't done his part. No, God has done his part. And God has allowed you to see his part. And God has shown you what he's done. But if you can act out like that little child and just hide your eyes and pretend that you don't see it, then there's nothing that God can do about that. You see, it wasn't because the sacrifice wasn't sufficient. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 to 6 says, Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. The reason, the reason that everyone will not be saved it's not because God hasn't supplied what is needed, and it's not because God has any desire for them to be unsaved. But Paul says something which I makes it clear, which comes right back to where we started. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 to 5, he says this, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost Listen, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Why? It comes right back to the light. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. The only message we have is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. He's the one that died. He's the one that was buried. He's the one that rose again. He's the one that's coming again soon, praise God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. But men are blinded. And Satan will do everything he can. The God of this world he's talking about is the devil himself. He'll do everything he can 
to keep the shutters down, to keep you blinded. And he'll use the things of the world. He'll use your thoughts, your ideas, your imagination. He doesn't care if he can keep you from facing up to the truth. Is there anybody here tonight that could raise their hand and say, I do not know anybody that's lost? We all know people that are lost. We all know people that we love that are lost. And the truth is, plain and simple, not everybody is going to be saved. Not everybody's going to be saved. So if you're sitting there tonight, you might be having all kinds of different thoughts, but I want you to realize just because you're here, just because God loves you, just because everything has been supplied. They've got a sports saying that says the ball's in your court. <laughs> You're the one that has to make the next move. You can't do anything to save yourself. Don't get me wrong. It's all by God's grace, and it's all God's doing. You better realize not everybody's going to be saved. Some people are going to leave this world lost. And as a matter of fact, second thought, a frightful thought, there's going to be more leaving this world lost than there are leaving this world saved. Isn't that what he said? Many of them, many of them are going to find the broad way, but few are going to find the narrow way. You know, many, many of them say that we're narrow-minded today, that we're unloving. They come up with all kinds of nice names for us, bigots and narrow-minded and dumb and... <laughs> Because of that verse that we quoted there from John 14, 6 a while ago, Jesus is the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. All the religion, all the sincerity, all the churches, all the good things in all of this big world, there is absolutely no other way. There is no other religion. Jesus Christ alone is the only way to get to God the Father. We find that it's a fact. We've read. Man in his sin likes darkness rather than light. It's easier to deal with. People don't have to learn how to be lost. People don't have to learn how to sin. It comes natural because we are born as sinners, and therefore people are going to act like sinners. But the problem is oftentimes people refuse to repent of those sins, to turn away from that sinfulness. God sent his son into the world to die for the sins of the whole world. I like what John said. Most of you, I, I, I love that Bible term, propitiation, <laughs> because Jesus Christ is our propitiation. People try to come up with other terms, but none of them fit as well. I mean, he satisfied everything that that holy, righteous God required. But he's not the propitiation for our sins only, he said, but for the sins of the whole world. He is the propitiation. He is everything that is required 
for the sins of the whole world. Anybody that will recognize their sinfulness. And folks, repentance is just, when you see that sin, repentance is just about turning away from it and going, you begin to agree with God about that sin. You see it like God sees it. You don't want anything else to do with it. You want to turn and go the other way, which is Jesus Christ. You can't follow the world and Jesus at the same time. They're at opposites. You're going to go one way or the other. When you turn to Christ, you turn from the world. You turn from your sin. Only then can you turn to Him and cry out for mercy and forgiveness because God wants you to be forgiven. The price has been paid. But the simple truth is, is that most people, most people, more will end up going to hell than going to heaven. More people will leave this world lost not because God wants them to, but because of their own blindness, their own hearts, their own attitudes. Thirdly, there's an awful lot of people in this world that think that they're saved, but they're not. An awful lot of people that think, and they think it for lots of different reasons. Many of them have been deceived into thinking it because Maybe they've been baptized. Maybe they've joined such and such church. Maybe they're part of such and such group. Maybe they said a prayer one day. Maybe they raised their hand one day. Maybe they did this or maybe they did that. Matter of fact, the Bible says a lot of them are even going to stand up and do all kinds of things in the name of Jesus. They're going to stand up before God one day and say, but look, look, God, look what I did for you. I mean, I did all these wonderful things. I, I've cast out devils over here, and I've done this, and I've done that. Can we get it through our thick heads? There is nothing that we can do that will save us. Nothing. We can stand before God and say, look what I did, and look what I did until we're blue in the face. There is nothing except for what Jesus Christ has already done for you. Not everybody's going to be saved. And more people are going to leave this world unsaved than there are that's going to leave it saved. But there's an awful lot of people that think that they're going to leave it saved and they're not ready to meet Him. We read in Matthew chapter 7, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now that's not talking about a work's salvation. He that doeth the will of my Father. It's not God's will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Not what you say. You can say all the words in the world. What happens in your heart? That's where real belief comes from. Matthew chapter 23, verse 15, Jesus, he didn't pull many punches a lot of times. He said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you can pass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. 
In other words, you're just a bunch of religious people that aren't right with God yourselves, and you're going around trying to get everybody else to follow you, and they're going to end up in the same place as you, which is a place called hell. People can act religious. People can do religious things. We've got to grasp and understand there's a whole world out there that's saying, do this and do this and do the other and do this, and you'll be okay with God. I'm saying to you, if we've got anything to base it on, it's got to be based upon the Word of God, and there is no other way except Jesus Christ and what He has done for you. Nothing else that you can do. But people think they're okay because they've done something. They've changed direction. and They've done all these religious things. The Bible says they're going to stand before God one day, and He's going to say, depart from me. You see, not everybody's going to be saved. More people are going to leave this world unsaved than there are saved. And a lot of people are going to be deceived into thinking that they're all right with God when they can't take you to a point. Of, see, it's, it's amazing a lot of times when I ask people, how do you know that you're a child of God? How do you know that you're a Christian? And just listen to people's testimonies many times. Folks, I don't care whether you cried or laughed. I don't care whether you were in the church altar or beside your bed or in the middle of the dirtiest mud puddle out there in the town. I want to know that there came a point in your life when you recognized, I'm a sinner. The God that put me here is him that I've sinned against. But he loves me so much. Because you see, the wages of sin is death. We can get into all the, oh, how can a loving God do? No, don't blame sin on God. And don't blame the consequences of sin on God. You've heard me say it before. One sin of disobedience brought all the curse and hell that's on this earth today that you see around you. One unforgiven sin entering into heaven. Guess what comes with sin? Death. Death. Heaven would not exist any longer. Heaven can't be unless sin is dealt with. Simple truth is don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. I mean, there is no reason to. Find the narrow gate, the broad way. That's all those people. That's all of religion, folks. That's not everybody that's saying they don't want to go to heaven. That's where a vast majority of people that says they're on the road to heaven, but they're not. Narrow, narrow is the way to find that there's something else. You need to realize it's a pretty frightful fact. The fact is that there is no second chance. There is no second chance. I'm not going to get in. I mean, many out there today would tell you that you leave this world and there's a purgatory and this could happen and that could happen and others can pay you out and others can pray you out and people can do all these things, folks. There is no second chance when you leave this world. There is no other way. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28 says, And is it appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. 
death is a once-for-all appointment. It is an appointment that you will keep. After that appointment's kept, there is no other way. There is nothing that you can do. That's it. After that, the Bible says, is the judgment. We find that the Bible doesn't leave us to speculate and guess. Man's chance of salvation is right now. You see, Hebrews 9.26 says, Well, then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now, once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Saying, you know that I'm not trying to scare you tonight. I'm just saying, you've, you, you've made choices with your life. Whether you're here tonight or you may be listening to this on the, on the internet out there somewhere, the simple truth is you're going to decide what you do with Jesus. These are frightful facts. Not everybody is going to be saved. More people are going to leave this world lost than there are going to leave it saved. Many people are going to think that they're saved, but in fact, they've never been saved because they're looking in all the wrong places. There is no second chance after this life. And you know, the only life you've got is what you've got right now. I want you to recognize something. The timing doesn't rest in your hands. You may say, I'm a young person. Well, I'm not a young person anymore, but I'm, I'm not old either yet. <laughs> but you know what? It's shocking. I've had to do a lot of funerals in my life. And it's shocking that, yes, some of them were old people. <laughs> some people had lived long, full, rich lives. Some of them were little tiny babies. <laughs> Hadn't even learned to walk and talk yet. Some of them were teenagers. I mean, young people. Thought they had all their life before. I'm, I'm not playing. Folks, I'm telling you. We don't know that we've got tomorrow. None of us do. I had to preach a young man's funeral that I grew up with as a kid, played with. All the future out there. Sleep in bed one night. House catches on fire. By the time they figured out, there's nothing left. Young man. Only just recently been married. We don't know. I'm saying that the timing isn't in your hands to say, well, I'll deal with all this at another time in life. I'm saying you better deal with it while you've got the opportunity because every breath you have, because God allows you to have it. Proverbs 27.1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Folks, you don't know what tomorrow holds. Proverbs 29.1 says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck 
shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. In other words, God can keep showing you the truth and he can keep giving you opportunity. What has God done in your life to get your attention that today you can know that you're a sinner and need to be saved? And yet, the Bible's saying here that, boy, you keep being stiff-necked about it. You keep putting him off. You could end up without any remedy whatsoever. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, I've I not prophesied in your name. Thy name cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works. And then I'll profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Ye that work iniquity. This evening, I'm just asking you honestly and earnestly because I honestly believe, you know, we can get so wrapped up in things in life. We can spend so much of our time involved in things that seem so important at the time. Amazing. Amazing. Children, so many times, you know, we wonder, how, how can they be so foolish? <laughs> How can they be so foolish? If you're here and you're a Christian tonight, I hope God will remind you what's so important. What's so important when you've got people that you know that are lost and going to hell? People around us every day are lost and going to hell. I have to look at myself in the mirror. Why aren't you doing more about that? <laughs> Why are you so worried about this niggly thing and that niggly thing? People are going to hell. This is somebody's last day, somebody's last opportunity. It's our lights that God has told to shine in this darkness. Christians, we need to get our priorities in order. We need to realize what's important. Devil's one is trying to keep him blinded. <laughs> he doesn't care how he does it. If you're here and you're not a Christian, hey, I know one thing. I know that God must have had you in mind once again. God, I know when God showed me what he wanted me to preach tonight, he knew he would be here. I didn't. I know without a shadow of a doubt it's for somebody. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you've just been putting it off. Well, you're not promised tomorrow. I'm not playing with you. You need to face the facts. These are some frightful facts. You put it off. You need to realize just what it is that you're putting off. By God's grace, if he's shown you, he's at that light to shine upon your life. Why do you want to put it off for some other time? Why not accept it? Why not realize what he's done for you? Why not trust him? to forgive you of your sins. Why don't you turn away from those sins? Oh, they may bring you some pleasure for a day, for a time. But folks, it's only for a very short season at best. The truth is, do you want to trade eternity for a few joys now? Are you willing to let go of those things? Turn to Christ and know a peace that passeth all understanding. Know a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. God wants you to know that you're saved. Maybe you're here this evening. 
Maybe God's spoken to you. What are you basing your salvation on? How do you know that you're a child of God? If you can't look to a time when you, yourself, humbled yourself before God and simply asked Him for forgiveness because of what Jesus Christ did for you. If there's not that point in your life, I'm not even saying you've got to remember the day or the hour, but you're going to remember the event. <laughs> you're not going to come to see your sinfulness for all you are and seek forgiveness for it by accident. You're going to know it. You need to know that today. I don't care what you've got to swallow and what you've got to do. You need to know that with absolute certainty. And see, this evening, if your emotions are touched, I hope it's because of the facts. You need to recognize some of these simple things. Jesus Christ died for all, but all is not going to be saved. Unfortunately, more than not are going to reject it. They're going to like the darkness more than the light. Many are going to get caught up in false religions and false ideas. Look, folks, I don't care what any church says to you. I don't care what the Baptist church says to you, which I'm proud to be a part of. The Baptist church has never saved anybody. Neither have the Methodist or the Anglican or the Pentecostals or the Church of God or the Catholics or anybody else out there. It's Jesus Christ and Him alone. Do you know? Is that what you're basing it on? Are you putting it off? You're not promised tomorrow. Remember, your life is in God's hands, not yours. You're not promised tomorrow. You need to recognize these things so that if you decide this evening to leave here lost once again, at least do it with the knowledge of knowing that it could be your last time. God has graciously said, this is what I want for you, but if you're saying, it's not what I want, recognize, understand, understand the choice that you're making. Father, as we come into your presence once again this evening, Lord, you know the hearts of everyone here. I only know with absolute certainty, Lord, that you place this message upon our hearts for a reason. Very simple. Nothing profound. Well, the simple truth is, is that it's your will for all to be saved. Jesus Christ has come and he has paid the ultimate sacrifice, the only sacrifice that was sufficient. But he paid it. And it was sufficient. But now many men choose darkness rather than light. Many are still being stiff-necked. Many are still today putting their hopes in false religions and false things. Lord, I can only pray, Lord, that maybe through the, these very simple thoughts, Lord, that you could take by the power of your Spirit and Speak to people's hearts. Help us all to leave here this evening more grateful than ever for our salvation, more burdened than ever to win the loss to Christ. And Lord, I pray out of the depths of my heart and love that if there's anyone here that needs to be saved, I pray that your spirit, your conviction would be so real on their lives. Lord, I pray they wouldn't be able to get away from it. 
And I pray they need to recognize what it is they're going to say yes or no to. And I pray, Lord, that they would have the faith and the courage to follow Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.